Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk show. Merry Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman live. It is indeed Christmas Eve day, and this is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. That was the Cactus Cuties singing Amazing Grace. And I submit to you the Cactus Cuties are amazing. Uh, You got girls in their young teens. Some of them aren't even teenagers yet. uh, Literally singing to their God. What a wonderful kickoff for a live Christmas Eve day broadcast. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. It is December 23rd in the year of our Lord, 2020. And ladies and gentlemen, this is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful, 
restoration of the greatest, I repeat, the greatest country on the face of the earth. And what I find fascinating is there is an absolute link between Christmas and liberty. And what this uh, Amazing Grace song reminds me of is uh, New Year's Day. Folks, I was in Oregon. I was with Ammon Bundy, Richard Mack, Kirk Crosby, myself, and we were spending our New Year's Day to promote liberty, to free the Hammonds. Steve and Dwight Hammond were going to prison, supposedly on terrorism charges, ladies and gentlemen. They didn't deserve to go or the circumstances. We went to peacefully protest that event. And when we got to the Hammond's house, we gave hugs to Mr. and Mrs. Hammond. We told them we loved them, that we were praying for them, that we would do all within our power to peacefully advocate for their cause, and we would not rest until they were free. And thank heavens they became free. President Trump involved. Ladies and gentlemen, now more pardons. Steve Stockman is free, thanks to President Donald Trump. This is not a promotion of Trump agenda at this point, but it is an honesty about Christmas, about freedom, about the greatest country on the face of the earth, allowing us to worship how, where, or what we may. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, In fact, speaking of one of the gentlemen that was saying Amazing Grace with me to the Hammonds, yeah, we literally out there in the snow, it was what, seven degrees outside or something like that, freezing cold in a beautiful Oregon winter morning. We sang Amazing Grace to the Hammonds as it was our prayer to them. There were tears that day, and then they told you we were all criminals. Imagine that in America, ladies and gentlemen. But one of the gentlemen with me was Richard Mack, and he's on your radio. Welcome, sir. Thanks, Sam. That's a, a, well, first of all, <laughs> thanks for having me this beautiful Christmas Eve. Uh, you actually said the 23rd. It's the 24th. I'm sorry, the 24th. Yes, sir. Yeah, and, and I'm telling you, that was a great walk down memory lane, uh, a beautiful uh, example of uh, humility and strength from... Uh, uh, Stephen Dwight Hammond. It was it was amazing, it, it, and that's why uh, you and I uh, just started busting out with Amazing Grace while we were there with about six hundred, seven hundred people. And it was incredible. I mean, the, the freezing temperatures, the Hammonds yeah. on their porch, the American people, the patriots who cared for their liberty, literally all the way down the street. It broke out with one or two or three or four voices. I think Richard Mack started it. He doesn't want to take credit. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, it was all of us. It was an impressive uh, event to be part of and see. When was that, 2016? Gosh. I'm trying to remember when it was. I think it was 2016, though. Yeah, it would have had to have been close to then. Maybe 17, but no, uh, I don't. I think it was about four or five years ago. Anyway, all I'm telling you is what a what a day that was. And I bring that up because when I hear the, the Cactus Cuties sing Amazing Grace, it is a simple version, but yet, you know, very musically uh, capable version to say the least. These, these young women certainly know how to sing the song, don't they? Yeah, I looked them up uh, after you said that. I'd never heard of them before. But uh, they are little. Uh, they are uh, four or five little cuties. 
Yeah, man, and they're young, too. Some of them are teenagers, but some of them aren't even teenagers yet. Yeah, they, uh, wow, they really blend and harmonize uh, terrifically. Hey, man, they sing a bunch of music. Anyway, they're from Texas. I just find that interesting, and I wanted to play that to kind of kick off the Christmas edition. There's so much to talk about when it comes to Christmas, and, you know, we could talk about President Trump and the battle that he's fighting, and, you know, we'll do a little bit about that, but I want to talk about a few other things. I want to think about our favorite memories for Christmas, maybe our favorite Christmas stories, maybe our favorite Christmas traditions uh, that we have. I think that's worthy of discussion. Uh, this Christmas, we had the opportunity to go with some friends and go out. We we actually got a permit from the county or whatever it was and went out and found a tree out in the boonies and cut it down and brought it home. And, uh, you know, that's one of the traditions we've done many times over the years. And, uh, you know, I, I think of that and I think of the, I mean, for us, it's easy to get a tree. We, we you know, put on our warm clothes and, you know, we have a fire and then we, you know, drink hot chocolate and then get in our warm cars and turn on the heater and then go to our warm house. And But I just think about the times gone past when going to get a tree wasn't so easy. I mean, we get into our, you know, four-wheel drive vehicle and, and roll up and, you know, we got to hike around to find a tree. But, I mean, it's it's pretty simple compared to uh, maybe hooking up the buggy days and, and, and going to get a tree uh, like that. And I just think about the sacrifices through the years and the history of, of not only America, but the world and the sacrifice of Joseph and Mary and and the, you know, perfect sinless life of the Savior. But I'm sure that life wasn't easy being the son of a carpenter. And, you know, he descended below us all to give us hope. Well, uh, I, I love the story of the first Christmas, and I, I love uh, the, uh, probably the, the most amazing part of that to me was the shepherds and the three wise men. And, uh, the, of course, the message from the wise men is that wise men still seek him, that the, the wisest among us spent weeks or if not months trying to find uh, the, the Christ child. Isn't that the same that we should all be doing today? Should we not, if we are wise? Seeking the Christ child, or just seeking Christ. And and I love that message that today, wise men still seek him. And then the humility of the shepherds witnessing to the world that we saw him, that we saw the baby Jesus, and we saw his birth. And obviously, the design of that was that there would be witnesses to the world that this great event did indeed take place and that the shepherds were assigned that part and that we today still would not just seek him but be witnesses of him. Amazing, amazing uh, metaphors there and that really apply to us today. Yes, indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Liberty Roundtable Live on the 24th of December. My bad, I said it was the 23rd. I don't know what I'm thinking. It is Christmas Eve day, the 24th of December. We are live. We're talking about Christmas myself and Sheriff Richard Mack. And I got some interesting stories to tell you, personal, and so does the good sheriff. And then we've got a couple of other people with some very interesting stories about Christ as well. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? 
Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration. We are live. This is the 24th of December, Christmas Eve day. We're talking about Christmas. We're talking about it, what it means to you, what it means to me, what it ought to mean to all of us. Amazing grace is what it's all about, understanding the grace of Christ. No doubt we give and receive presents, and no doubt we spend time with family, and no doubt we do a lot of wonderful things on these Christmas uh, days, holidays, some say. But I like Merry Christmas more than I do happy holidays, because I think we need to really remember the reason for the season. The good sheriff with me as well, ladies and gentlemen. Now understand, this is kind of a sad tale to tell, but I must tell it. You know, while you and I are celebrating Christmas, government never rests. <laughs> and they've still got their agenda going. Believe it or not, Democrat Peter Navarro released his report on the 2020 election cycle. Uh, his 36-page report lays bare the clear and conclusive evidence that there was significant vote fraud during the 2020 debate. This is a hardcore Democrat with no reason to lay out this report except for to get to the truth. Um, incoming Representative Madison Cawthorn said that he will contest the election. So all we need is a senator to step up as well, and the 6th of January will be a very significant date. 
Barr says there's no need for a special counsel for Hunter Biden. Governor Gavin Newsom announced that Alex Padilla, California's Secretary of State, will succeed Kamala Harris as the senator. Senator Cruz and AOC agree. Both lawmakers criticized the near 2.4. Um, what? What's this thing? $2.5 trillion bill. They both say it's bogus. It shouldn't be. Well, believe it or not, for once I agree with Ocasio-Cortez. The government has a national vaccine plan for every one of us. That's what I mean by the government never goes to sleep. you got to be aware of that. Over 3,000 negative health impacts after the COVID-19 uh, vaccination has been released. And uh, you got a lot going on. Dr. Roger Hopkinson speaks out on how governments negatively respond to the COVID. Senate testimony of Dr. Pierre Corey talking about ivermectin, a miracle to beat COVID. He said, I can't watch people die needlessly. Can ivermectin be used to treat the COVID? And the answer is a clear, resounding yes. There's also a link between the COVID and sleep apnea. Believe it or not, melatonin, melatonin used to lessen the effects. More than 3 million deaths, they say, will make this the most deadly year on record. They say thanks to the coronavirus. More than 2.1 million people worldwide have already had the vaccines, well over 600,000 in the United States. Joe Biden, believe it or not, says our darkest days in the battle against COVID are not behind us. They're ahead of us. That's a sad tale to tell. And they say there's a new COVID strain, and it's already in the United States of America, ladies and gentlemen. That's a scary tale. We had our guest on, Mr. Tim Starks, yesterday with us, talking about uh, security. We talked about fantastic news. Praise God, Steve Stockman is freed. Thank heavens for President Trump pardoning Steve Stockman. We'll get into that as a Merry Christmas present from the president, if you will, to the Stockman family. And what a blessing that is in seconds. But for Kevin, you wanted to chime in, tell a Christmas story, sir? Yeah, I want to tell a Christmas story. And then I have a real estate question. No um, real estate questions, sir. It's Christmas. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Unless you're going to um, buy me real estate for favorite. Christmas. Is Kevin buying us real estate for Christmas, sir? Um, that'd be a great Christmas present. All right, bring on the real estate. Go yeah. ahead, sir. Okay, uh, well, first of all, my favorite Christmas memory was in 1987. <clears throat> I spent it at our house in Ontario, Oregon. And it was a good, but the best thing about that Christmas, and I didn't realize it back then, but that was the last Christmas that I would spend with my grandparents on my dad's side when they were in, I, I should probably say, reasonably good health. And I spent two Christmases after that with them, but they, it wasn't the same. Christmas of 87, it was just a very innocent time of my life. Um, that was, I got a scooter that year. Scooters were really popular, the skateboard ones. All right, um, there you have it. It just meant a lot. All right. Merry Christmas yeah. and your real estate question. Go quick. Yeah. Okay. So I've heard you talk about, you know, people it's getting harder to buy homes and whatnot. What, what do you, th I was just wondering what you think of this trend where people are 
buying campers and camping at K- and living at KOA campgrounds because it's 800 a month or people buying these tiny homes, putting them in backyards and whatnot. I think it's a great plan. I think a lot of people are just trying to save money. A lot of people are trying to shrink their environment, shrink their environmental footprint. I think there's a lot of reasons. Some people just want to be on the go. Some people live a minimal, minimalist lifestyle. There's a lot of reasons. The reasons are as many as the people doing it almost, it seems. Uh, and I think it's a great trend. I think that there's a lot of government zoning, a lot of government um, regulation in the way, which I think is problematic to say the least. Uh, but as a whole, I think the trend is a good one. And I think people wanting to be out of debt, wanting to live minimalist lifestyles, wanting to focus on people re- rather than possessions and those kind of things, I think is is a wonderful thing. And I, I embrace the trend. Okay. Because I've heard these tiny homes are equivalent to Agenda 21. I well, what when you say equivalent to Agenda 21, remember, when you do Agenda 21 or Agenda 2030 or whatever they're updating it to, those are mandated government regulations based on global master plans brought down to your local area uh, and then deceiving the people uh, into thinking it's a local plan developed by local people supported by consultants. But the truth is it's a globalist plan, and they really seek to agitate and manipulate and eventually – um, unite everybody, uh, build consensus for this globalist plan, and they deceive the people and turn it into a, quote, local plan with globalist agenda and goals. And so that's a plan of deception and force. All right. But when you choose individually to live a minimalist lifestyle uh, and, and live very inexpensively or whatever else, there's no uh, agenda 21 about it. Now, you could say, well, some are doing it for environmental reasons. Yeah, but they're doing it by choice, not by force, first of all. Second, uh, in my opinion, reality check on this is, um, you know, some people aren't even doing it for uh, saying I want to save the environment. Some are doing it to say I want to save money. Some are young people doing it saying I can't buy a a normal home. I can't afford it. I don't want to go in debt. So I'll build myself and or buy a tiny house so that I can afford it. Uh, You know, people are doing it for all kinds of reasons. Some people are just saying, look, I don't want to have to have a maid to clean the house, right? I want to have to, you know, clean six bathrooms. Some are saying I want to do it because I'm a snowbird and I live somewhere in the summer and somewhere else in the winter and I don't need big houses both places. And some are saying, you know, I want to downsize because I don't want a yard to take care of. And none of those have to, to do with Agenda 21 at all. And so it all depends on who's doing it. And in my opinion, it's kind of the difference between living a communist lifestyle where everybody's forced uh, to basically be the same a one-size shoot fits all for communism versus a law of consecration idea that says, hey, people are voluntarily uh, living on what they need and, and they're, they're letting the rest be used by a group that they by choice select to carry out those efforts. The two are completely opposite sides of a coin. Uh, and so you need to be very careful not to mix the two would be my response. Okay. Very, very interesting All right. We'll let, you, we'll let you fly, Kevin. Do you want to respond to that, Sheriff? No, that that was great. Uh, my wife and I have uh, considered doing that in our retirement years, of uh, just traveling around in a motorhome to from one uh, child of ours and our grandchildren, and just traveling the country, going to Texas with jo- Josh, and then Lucy in Utah, and then uh, our kids that are still here in Arizona. I thought we've actually considered doing that. So, heck, we might do it. But you're not doing it to promote Agenda 21, right? Of course not. No, it's just to live, uh, like you said, minimally and uh, to save money and 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 to be able to visit our grandkids anytime we want. Yeah, oftentimes it's to focus on people more than possessions is what I find. Uh, a lot of people also want to experiment with things. And so if they go out and get a, 
an inexpensive piece of land somewhere that doesn't have all the regulations and covenants and whatever else and rules. And then people are, you know, building like uh, straw bale homes or people are uh, building um, uh, like they're taking these um, sheds, like there's Montana sheds and uh, anyway, other sheds that people are taking these and turning them into small cabins. And a lot of times it's about people pursuing kind of a fun uh, fix it up mentality or I want to try this experiment idea or I want to learn to you know live this way and, and a lot of times people learn to garden they learn to greenhouse uh, to put up greenhouses they learn to do so many things I find it fascinating personally but there's a well a news story about Brigham Young University that might relate to this a little bit too we'll talk about it in seconds it is our Merry Christmas Eve live broadcast on your radio <laughs> Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. When you're out of work, you don't spend money like you normally do. You cut back. And right now, this country is not fully at work. The outrage by Americans that the COVID relief bill would spend billions on foreign governments and give peanuts to Americans, that's quite understandable. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy accused Speaker Nancy Pelosi and other Democrats of selective hearing Wednesday night after President Trump called for Congress to raise coronavirus stimulus checks from $600 to $2,000. Still, only a few in D.C. are talking about cutting the wasteful spending during this crisis. Presidential pardons keep rolling out. Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, Charles and Jared Kushner were pardoned by President Trump. Trump has pardoned 26 people so far. The United Kingdom and the European Union are closing in on a post-Brexit trade agreement after months of negotiations. A deal is expected to be announced on Christmas Eve. USA Radio News. 67% of U.S. households own a pet, according to the American Pet Products Association. And while caring for one has always required time, love, and financial commitment, the pandemic has brought added stress and financial uncertainty, which could impact how you care for yours. Fortunately, there are things you can do to help be prepared for both routine care and unexpected illness or injury. For starters, financing options such as the Care Credit Health and Pet Care Credit Card. It allows cardholders to pay vet expenses over time with monthly installment payments, and it's accepted at 8 out of 10 eligible veterans care providers across the country. You can also consider getting pet insurance. Pets Best, for example, can help cover unexpected expenses like cancer, surgeries, accidents, and more. In addition, they offer optional wellness coverage for ongoing expenses like vaccinations and medications. You create a personalized insurance plan, pay a monthly premium, and get reimbursed. Finally, there are wellness plans that many vets offer that cover certain types of care for a monthly fee. So be sure to ask yours about what they are and how they can fit within your budget. Being prepared for a lifetime of care can make all the difference. COVID-19 vaccine distribution priorities vary from state to state. USA Radio News' Tim Berg explains. A state prison in Central California has received some of the first coronavirus vaccines, which are being administered to the prisoners and some of the guards. That's not the case in Florida, though, where Governor Ron DeSantis says he remains committed to getting Florida's older population the coronavirus vaccine, but he's asking them to be patient. The Republican governor saying doctors, nurses, and other frontline workers will be first in line to be vaccinated, but seniors could be rolling up their sleeves as soon as Monday. We don't have enough vaccine to do everyone 65 and older in Florida at this moment. We have over 4 million people in that age group. Uh, We have vaccine doses that are in the hundreds of thousands uh, over and above eventually once we get through the long-term care and the nurses. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. 
The Choir Tabernacle Square, ladies and gentlemen, also known as the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, jumping in with some hallelujahs. And we are indeed live for Christmas Eve Day, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman and Richard Mack on your radio. And all I can tell you is when I hear songs like that, I want to shout hallelujah. Not only for Christ and his sinless life, but his love and sacrifice for me and the atonement uh, and for the opportunity that I have as a follower of Christ and the blessings that it brings into my life, celebrated by... Uh, it really should be every day, but uh, especially uh, on this Christmas season, uh, Merry Christmas. So, Sheriff, do you have a favorite Christmas? <laughs> uh, actually, I have a bunch of them. Um, but uh, I, I guess when the kids were growing up, um, it was, oh, I would say like 1984. 485 right in there <clears throat> and at the uh, police station uh, a friend one of the cops had a real uh, good friend who played Santa Claus and this guy except for being pretty young he looked more like Santa Claus than Santa Claus did he he was absolutely <laughs> perfect uh, he was uh, chubby he uh, kind of uh, rosy cheeks and his uh costume was impeccable and uh, we actually hired him to uh attend our police christmas party which he did and uh, he was fantastic it, it, and then i asked him i said do you think christmas eve uh that you could stop by our home and uh, just say hello to our kids real quick uh, well, he did, and we had gone over to my sister-in-law's house, who just lived a couple of blocks from us. We had gone over to her house for a Christmas Eve dinner, and we came back, and our kids caught Santa Claus in our house. And uh, he was already in there. And this was right, Josh was just at the age where he was uh, not believing in Santa Claus anymore, and he was really starting to wonder and he was the most curious by far. Uh, he was eight or nine, and Rich was uh, six or seven, and Lucy was uh, about five, and then uh, Mandy was uh, a toddler. She didn't remember this, but all the other kids remember it very vividly. And uh, so Josh was asking if he could pull his beard, and and of course Santa said, well, no, I don't want to put you on the mean list, you know. So uh, I really don't like to have my beard pulled. It kind of hurts, and too many people ask for that. And I'm just not going to go everywhere and then have people pull up my beard, and, you know. But uh, he uh, sat them all on his lap, gave them all a candy cane, and told them that uh, they interrupted him bringing in Christmas, and so they needed to get to bed. And and uh, it was about it, it was about nine o'clock at night. And uh, the kids were so excited, they couldn't even see straight. And uh, it, it, it is a Christmas memory for the Mac family that is still talked about uh, today. And like I said, it, it was probably 80, 83, 84, 85, right in there. And uh, it was a beautiful, uh, snowy evening. You could see outside very vividly. And they asked where his reindeer were, and they... He said, well, you know where it is. It's up in that field where you play every day. And it was just amazing. 
and uh, very touching how the kids were so excited about it. And it only took, uh, you know, a 10-minute visit from this uh, beautiful Santa Claus. And, of course, he left him a message of, of Christmas spirit. And, and um, uh, one of my favorite lines from any uh, Christmas hymn is from O Holy Night, where it says, Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And... In his name, all oppression shall cease. I pray for that, for you and me. I thank the good Lord for President Trump commuting the sentence of one Steve Stockman. I I praise his holy name for that Christmas miracle for the Stockmans. For in his name, all oppression shall cease. Ladies and gentlemen, and Santa being symbolic uh, of a gift giver, symbolizing the real gift that we give and receive of service, of love, of gratitude, and then the great gift that we all get, the gift from our Savior, Jesus Christ. The question is, will we accept the gift? And some of us will, some of us won't. But we certainly need to. Now, I've got a lot of Christmas traditions, and I've got some memories for Christmas that I want to articulate as well. I've got a bad memory for Christmas, but I want to tell it to you for a reason. You know, I'm an an adopted person, and I've hunted down my birth family. And my birth family, um, you know, uh, has had trouble. My birth mother drank and smoked herself to death. And I got to know her about 20 years ago, and we were friends over the phone, and I'd send her Christmas presents and and would keep in touch and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but she uh, got super sick, and she eventually went into the hospital. And on Christmas Day 2016, she decided to pull the plug. And so they pulled the plug and, and let her just pass away peacefully. It wasn't like they killed her. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying that they, they decided not to prolong her life anymore. But it was on Christmas Day uh, when she passed away, 2016. And that, to me, is not a fond memory. Uh, but I bring it to you for a reason. That, you know, as Christians, we believe that after we die, you know, Christ on the cross taught, hey, you know what? Thou wilt be with me in paradise, he said to the one thief that was asking for some uh, some opportunity for change or whatever. And, and, and there was hope in that statement. And we know that because of Christ and Christ, we're all made alive, right? And so even though it's sad that my birth mother passed away on 2016, uh, Christmas Day, no less. I think about that. Now, it was a very sad year because my my real mother, or the mother that raised me, my adopted mother, but I call that my real mother and the other one my birth mother, right? The people that raised me are my parents. Anyway, my my birth mother died on December 25th, 2016. My real mother, the one that raised me, died in January 2016. So it was a very brutal, brutal year for me. But I, I think about that we're alive in Christ, and I think about someday that I'll see both of them the mother that birthed me and the mother that raised me. And I think what a Christmas gift that is to know that there's a future, that it's not all lost, that it's not all permanent separation, that there is uh, a life after this. And because of Christ, we can see each other, hug each other once again. And that to me gives me tremendous hope out of one of the most negative Christmases of my life, Sheriff. Well, that's an amazing story, Sam, and I, I've heard you talk about your meeting with 
uh, your birth mother. Um, and uh, what a dichotomy. Your real mother and your birth mother, what what a, what extreme opposites that, that was. Yes, because my the mother that raised me was, was a very religious woman uh, who, I mean, she's never done anything wrong in her life. Uh, and, um, you know, and so as a result, the two are very contrast. But you know what? They both need the grace of Christ to live again. Uh, and because of Christ, they can both be forgiven of their mistakes, no matter how simple or small or great those mistakes are. That's one of the things that Christ can do for us is we all become on kind of an equal playing field. None of us can save ourselves. We all need the redemption and the resurrection of the Savior. Uh, and we for, for our forgiveness of our sins and our mistakes, you know what? Big or small, he doesn't, he doesn't debate that with us. He just simply uh, makes it possible for us if we're willing. And I think that's an interesting message of Christ that we ought not forget. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about stories of Christmas, favorite memories, traditions, all prompt the gratitude we should feel this Christmas. So that's kind of an interesting uh, tidbit. I'll tell you more of my traditions and my favorite Christmas coming up as well. But in the meantime, I mentioned Brigham Young University. They just came out with a study uh, just in time for Christmas that I find fascinating uh, that y'all might want to be aware of. Here's the headline. BYU study, quote, kindness to neighbors helps fight loneliness. Brigham Young University researchers found that people who know six or more neighbors report lower levels of anxiety, of depression, and financial stress. And I find that to be an interesting study. I want to dig into that a little bit. And then I want you to get to know your neighbors. Hang tight. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's gonna do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. 
So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Merry Christmas. It is December 24th. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. So Brigham Young University does a study, and they come out with the details that I find fascinating. They say kindness to neighbors helps fight loneliness, and especially during the, I don't know if you want to call this a COVID Christmas, but there you go, right? They found that researchers found that people who know six or more neighbors have lower levels of anxiety, depression, and financial stress. That's an interesting uh, tidbit. Sheriff, you want to comment on this one? Yeah, I, I also uh, believe the message put out by several of our nation's church leaders, one being that the saving grace of gratitude and also of forgiveness and each of us, it's its kind of uh, an amazing process. Most people believe they, they cannot be Christ-like. There's one area where I believe it's very achievable and even easy. Sometimes it's, it's difficult for us to be forgiving, uh, but it's an easy thing to do uh, as far as a solution to what's going on in the world. And your power and your ability to forgive is one one precise area where each of us can be Christ-like. And it's obvious that it is achievable if we will but humble ourselves and forgive each other. And I do believe that that is a message that all of us should be adhering to at Christmas time. And that's something we can do to spread Christmas cheer all year long. And people look at that as a platitude that's impossible. It is not. It is extremely possible, and it is something that I will tell you honestly, I have done, and it is such a freedom enhancer when you let go of ill feelings towards anybody else, either in your family or uh, where, wherever it is. The, the, pure, the pure in heart can forgive and achieve this Christ-like attribute. Forgiveness is hard work. A lot of times when people feel wronged, it's very, very emotional. And the scars sometimes are very deep, and hearts are wounded in difficult times. But you know what? There is a way out, and Christ is the way out. And, you know, you say, I can't do this myself. You're right. You can't. But you can with loved ones around you, and you can with the power of Christ and his atoning blood. 
So anyway, I want you to really I want you to take time to get to know your neighbors. Not only will it be a blessing for you in this Christmas COVID season, not only does it help fight loneliness, but it reduces financial stress. Uh, people have lower le- levels of anxiety and depression, says the study. Get to know your neighbors, whether it's Christmas time or whether you're doing it for your own personal reasons. Knowing your neighbors is good. Waving at people, feeling like you have uh, somebody that you can go to should you need a ride, need a cup of sugar. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on. And it reminds me of a, of a Christmas uh, our neighbors gave us one time. And I won't name names or anything else, but I remember that we had lost our job because of the 2008 recession. And my wife and I were both mortgage brokers together, and we that, that business kind of, as you know, the bottom fell out of it. And so as a result, we didn't have hardly any money for Christmas. I mean, we were in, in I mean, I don't want to say a horrible shape because we still had a home and stuff like that. But I'm just telling you that it, for us, it was a very tough, dark time. And our front door was even kind of broken. Uh, and I remember that these people, in fact, it was youth that were in our neighborhood that gathered together. When I say youth, I'm talking about young college people. And they put together a fund and they raised some money. And they came and they brought us pizza and they brought us root beer and they brought us gifts. And one of the gifts was this envelope full of money. And I can't remember exactly how much it was, but it was around $500. And I remember it just brought my wife and I to tears. Because we just didn't have a lot. We just, I mean, it was just circumstantially just, man, it was for us, wasn't good. And that money helped us get Christmas presents for our children. That money helped us actually fix our front door. And I have the same door that we bought with the money they gave us on my house right now. And I look at that kind of service and that kind of love and that kind of friendship and that kind of self-sacrifice from the youth. And I go, Sheriff, there is hope in this nation, my friend. Well, amen to that. Uh, uh, You know, there's dozens of stories uh, about people helping people like that and and, and at miraculous times. And uh, it, uh, it it is something that we tried to do as a family. Uh, we would try to find people that really needed it and sometimes would ask uh, people at our church, is there somebody in need? And uh, they told us about this uh, elderly woman. And so we went to her home to uh, my, my children all sing very well. And we were going to go do some Christmas carols to her. And when we knocked on the door, she didn't know us, so she slammed the door in our face. <laughs> and it was it was really hard to be kind to her at first. And, and then uh, we uh, visited one of her neighbors, and I said, uh, do you know this lady next door? Yes. And, and so she called her and told her, hey, these are some people that I know, and uh, they just want to bring you some Christmas. And so she opened the door wide, and it's, it's another one of our uh, amazing uh, family memories because my my kids remember that one too and, and when we when we were trying to be kind and helpful she slammed the door in our face left us just standing there looking at each other but i i, I would not let uh her uh unfamiliarity with us uh get in the way of us uh trying to make a special christmas for her and uh it ended up being uh uh, both uh, special for us and her, and uh, uh, to hear my older son Josh tell the story because he had his guitar with him and he was, you know, playing it, uh, being the accompaniment and uh, being able to help others. Sam, 
is a tremendous blessing. And uh, when when there are times that we've done the same thing, uh, and we've been on bo- both ends uh, of that at times too, just as you talked about you and Julie being out of work uh, in 2008. Uh, there's been those times where it's happened to us when, when I uh, lost the sheriff race and uh, that December and people helping us, you know, because that was it for us. And I didn't, uh, I was, well, I guess you would call it between jobs. And uh, it, it's 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 humbling to be on both sides of that coin. And uh, I, I, I'm grateful for the times that we've been able to help others. And I'm grateful for the time that people have helped us. Do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Well, it's it's really hard not to uh, come up with that. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Uh, that one still touches me. And, and I will tell you, on Thanksgiving Day, my son rented a movie theater, a movie theater, and uh, it cost $150 for all of us to go to that movie. It played for his children, my wife and me, and then Robin, my daughter-in-law, and Josh, my son. We all sat down and ate popcorn and other snacks, and we watched that together. We were the only people in the theater, and we watched It's a Wonderful Life. And little Tatum, six years old, uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, 11-year-old Ashton enjoyed it. And everybody in between, we all thoroughly enjoy in the Even though we've seen that movie dozens and dozens of times, it was very touching and just totally, totally a wonderful family experience. So I have to say that one. Mary, Mary, I'm going to rope the moon for you, Mary. <laughs> right? Is that how it is? I'll take it. One of, yes. my, one of my favorite movies. Did you watch it in black and white? Yes, yes. All right, that's even better. You gotta love it. I, I love it. One of my favorite movies for Christmas, believe it or not, is The Ultimate Gift. And uh, are you familiar with that movie? I don't think so. All right. Well, you gotta watch it. It's called The Ultimate Gift. It's about this uh, kid that's super rich and he's a brat. And he's college age kind of kid and he's a brat. His name is Jason. And uh, anyway, long story short, his grandpa dies, and everybody's gonna get a bunch of money, man. Everybody's just rolling in like, "Hey, where's my money?" You know. And uh, it's a story about these recordings that Grandpa makes for Jason. And Grandpa tells how he made so many mistakes in his life and how he got rich. And and then uh, his whole goal is to save Jason from a life of, of entitlement. And he saves Jason from a life of entitlement. And Jason becomes uh, the person that his grandpa hoped him to be. And it's through these series of, of recordings that Jason has to pay attention to from his grandpa. So he's speaking from the grave through these recordings, if you were, these videos. And Jason has to do all these different things. And he doesn't want to do it. He thinks his grandpa's just an idiot. Shut up, give me the money. But grandpa cuts Jason off from everything. Literally, Jason's homeless on a park bench. Uh, And he has to do certain things along the way. He has to find a friend. He has to give away everything he's got. He's got to and he goes to his mom to get help because he doesn't have anything. And his mom says, I can't help you or they're going to take away my, my cash cow. I'm not doing it. I can't help you, buddy. Sorry. And everybody leaves him alone, but he finds a friend. And it's called The Ultimate Gift, and it's a phenomenal movie uh, that you just got to see for Christmas. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. 
because it really teaches the idea that, you know what, on our own, we just can't make it. And the love and the kindness and the support that we get from others, uh, and then the, the kindness and love that we learn to return, if you will, uh, makes up the difference. And uh, it's a tremendous movie. By the way, did you know Utah just came out? Uh, it ranked the most charitable state in the United States, a new study finds. Wow. Utah, charitable folks running around this state. I also love gingerbread. I just, I like gingerbread, by the way. And Utah also becomes the fastest growing state in the past decade. Now, you can pick other years that other states have grown faster. But over the last decade, Utah has grown the fastest of any state in the union, Sheriff. Yeah, in California and New York. New York's the number one state where people are leaving the most. I think California's second. But, yeah, uh, man, when you when you live in those states and everybody's just abusive and regulatory to the point where you can't even function, people are just done with that. Yeah, and, and, and still the leaders accept no responsibility or accountability, accountability for causing that. No. They just go right on with their arrogance and their anti-freedom movement and... That's that's because they'll just roll out with some kind of a golden parachute stipend or whatever else, and they'll just ride off into the sunset, leave somebody else, pardon the pun, holding the bag, huh? Yeah, isn't it amazing that Trump is leading the way on getting the COVID relief actually uh, to a decent amount? I think that's hilarious. Well, and then they criticize him even in that. Yep, yep. Well, all I can tell you is Merry Christmas to all of you. Thank you, Sheriff. Tell everybody Merry Christmas. We love them. Godspeed. We'll chat soon. Thanks so much, Sam. Merry Christmas. I got a story about a gang member coming up, and I got a story about a guy who grew up white, poor, not believing in Christ. Wow. A lot going on, ladies and gentlemen. Merry Christmas. Hour one in the can, hour two coming up. We wish you a Merry Christmas. And we hope you remember the reason for the season. It's about Jesus Christ. Atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Radio Show. Talk Show. Buddy, Merry Christmas. This is Sam Bushman. This is indeed Liberty Roundtable live on December the 24th in the year of our Lord 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, Merry Christmas to you from us, the Liberty Roundtable team. And I'm telling you right now, what a what a wonderful season it is. I know folks are depressed because of the COVID. I'm not one of them. I agree it could kill me at any time. But you know what? I'm all right with that. Not that I want to die. I don't have a death wish. Don't misunderstand me. But I do realize that God loves me. And if I return to my maker, that's all right with me. You know what? He won't let me go before it's my time. I'll tell you that right now. And we need to have a little bit of trust in Christ, if you will, in my humble opinion. That's one of the keys. Uh, And I'm afraid that we're kind of trusting in the arm of flesh a little bit. Um, When it comes to God, why don't we trust him? 
Why don't we look to God for solutions, but we're just looking to vaccinations. Why? Well, last hour we had Richard Mack on. We had a call in from a, a gentleman named Kevin. And we talked about fantastic news. Praise God. President Trump pardoned our dear friend Steve Stockman. So he's home with his wife and family for Christmas. Thank the almighty God for that. We also heard from the Cactus Cuties singing Amazing Grace. Wow, what a great rendition they do. We also talked about stories of love, favorite memories, traditions, and forgiveness. All prompt the gratitude we should feel this blessed season called Christmas. We talked about a Brigham Young University study. Kindness to neighbors helps fight loneliness. Yeah. And they talk about if you know six or more neighbors, it'll reduce your financial stress. It'll reduce depression and anxiety. We talked about Utah's the most charitable state in the union, and Utah's the fastest growing state in the union. Do you think there's a correlation? I happen to think so. All right, man, our first guest, Eddie Miller, with us. He does his own radio program, ladies and gentlemen, and his program is called Blood River Radio. Uh, and uh, that, that show uh, is available on, on Saturday afternoons, so check that out. The website, uh, what is it, bloodriverradio.com or com. Dot .com, bloodriverradio.com. All right, so check that out, ladies and gentlemen. That's something certainly worth your uh, learning about. Now, Eddie, but I want to talk to you. You grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, and you grew up poor, and you grew up not a Christian, right? Absolutely. You're absolutely correct, Sam. So tell me a little bit about that growing up then. Number one, growing up in the hood poor uh, doesn't sound like fun. And not being a Christian, uh, did you even celebrate Christmas? Uh, not like most people would consider celebration. As a matter of fact, I was telling my wife, Sam, a quick story here about Christmas, uh, a typical Christmas for me. Uh, you know, my uh, dad was a construction worker and a hardcore alcoholic. In those days, in the 50s and early 60s, a construction worker and alcoholic was kind of interchangeable, like Ford and automobile. Well, uh, we had saved money, uh, me and my oldest sister, uh, to get a few Christmas trinkets. My youngest sister, five years younger. And uh, we gave the money very foolishly to my dad because we were living out in the country at that time. Uh, one of the few times that my, me and my sisters were together, we were scattered separate most of the time. They would come and go. My mother would come and go. It was a lunatic asylum. Okay, well, we gave him the money, and he was gone for several days, and he came home. He was still inebriated, and he had one ball, one Christmas ball you could put on a Christmas tree. I had gone out in the woods. I uh, heard you speaking in the first, first hour of your show about going and getting your Christmas tree. Well, I hunted by the time I was I got my first gun when I was five, my first shotgun when I was nine. I was out in the woods. I got this little scrawny cedar tree, what we call Christmas trees here. And we were going to decorate that tree, but we, my dad brought home one Christmas ball, no candy, uh, no toys, my youngest sister, nothing. And he acted like we should just be overjoyed for that, uh, to get that one Christmas ball. But that was one of the Christmases that I had, Sam. And, uh, you know, later on when my mother never came back home again, my mother left the first time when I was uh, in second grade. And I came home and all the house was, the, the furniture was empty. Uh, the house had no furniture. I th at first, I thought I was in the wrong house. But anyway, that was kind of like my, my, my uh, childhood was. Uh, I roamed the streets when my dad was in, uh, I mean, I'm 8, 9, 10 years old, roaming the streets, uh, a, a, rig a thug, you know, fighting, 
being attacking, being attacked, uh, trying to kill, trying to keep from being killed. Uh, that's pretty much the way my life was. And uh, that's the way it was for years. And uh, the, I guess the first really decent Christmas I had was after I found my wife. And uh, how in the hell she ever married me, I'll never know, because we were so totally opposite, Sam. I mean, she came from a, a kind, loving Christian family. Uh, her, her parents, believe it or not, they were actually home in the evening, and they actually ate dinner together. I couldn't imagine that. I thought that was the most hokey, corny crap. You know, it was so confining and regulatory and stifling. But uh, my first Christmas uh, with her was great. But the one Christmas I'll never forget, you know, me and my wife moved in this house where we're sitting here in a night, uh, Halloween Day, 1980. And I'm telling you what, we were flat broke. We were broke and broke. We had a, a car note. We, we could only afford one car. Uh, she drove it to, uh, to work. I had to finally get this little 250cc motorcycle, ride 46 miles a day round trip to work, rain, sleet, shine. Well, we, the first Christmas in this house, we were so broke. Uh, we had to buy, I had to make a, take a piece of notebook paper and make a Christmas card for her. But me and my two girls at the time, uh, they were uh, 10 and 12. We stayed up all night long. I mean, we played Monopoly all night long and, and singing Christmas carols and, and eating popcorn and fudge and all that kind of stuff, even though we were so broke. I'm not kidding you, man. We didn't have money to buy groceries. But that was the greatest Christmas I've ever I've had in my life, spending that time uh, with my wife and my two daughters in this house. And, you know, my wife was hardcore Christian. It took me years and years, even after meeting my wife, uh, it took me years to become a Christian. I became a Christian February of 2009, two months before my 62nd birthday. And I'll tell you what, Sam, it, a lot of people can't tell it by looking at me now, but it was a miraculous event. I was praying for faith. That's all I was praying for. And and it hit me. I, I didn't know. I, I just I, I said, God, these other people I'm, I'm, I'm around, I see them. They actually believe this garbage they're talking about. I thought they were hypocrites, but they're really not hypocrites. They, honest to God, believe this dribble they're putting out about, you know, the pie in the sky. There's a God. Oh, the Bible is true. Jesus Christ. That's all a crock. But I, I said, please, I want that faith. I, I really do. And I'll tell you what, Sam, in a microsecond, in a, it could happen but 10 times between two heartbeats, I knew all of a sudden, in a split second, that the gospel of Jesus Christ was true. And I was a changed person for about two years. I was a lot nicer than I am now. One of the guys who I got, uh, where I had my miraculous conversion into this church, he told me what it was. What I described was what the honeymoon period Uh as Sam knows now, I have a volatile temper. I've, I've learned to control a lot of it. Uh, but I wished in some ways I could be as kind as I, as I was that first two years. I hope I'm not confusing the audience. But, you know, the business that Sam and I are in, uh, we see evil every day in the radio business. Uh, you know, Blood River Radio, we're fighting to, uh, against white global genocide, our close poster child being in South Africa. You know, we see in, in on the streets as a med, as a combat medic, as a registered nurse in a trauma unit where you got knife shots, you know, knife stabs, gunshot wounds. You see this, you see the dregs of society day in, day out in these hospitals, these city hospitals, you know, in the, in the trauma units. So it, you get jaded, but 
Sam, I hope I didn't confuse you because, um, Sam, you must right, tell so me let, a story. Let's help, let's help people from the, the timeline a little bit. So you grew up in a very poor place. You used to get beat up going home from school every day because you lived in black neighborhoods and everything else. You weren't a Christian. You were wild. You didn't have supervision growing up. Your mom left. Your dad was an alcoholic and construction worker. And you pretty much raised yourself, and it was rough. You don't know how your Christian wife married you. But you guys have been married for how long? My Lord, it'll be, get this, hang on, everybody. It'll be 53 years, January the 12th. All right, so Eddie Miller's been married for 53 years, ladies and gentlemen. And what, the the vast majority of those years, 40 of them or 35 of them at least, not even, you weren't even a Christian, right? No, no sir. And, and the only reason I went to church was to say, was because I was the lowest SOB in the country if I didn't go. And uh, it would just be, I, I tell you, going to church, really can tell you, I would literally get physically ill. I hated it so bad. Uh, I, I would count the seconds till the church was over. And uh, that's the way I can't believe it, it actually happened to me, Sam. But that's your, what you said is absolutely true. Uh, I had a paper route in, an all, in mostly a black neighborhood. I had to carry a tire tool in my paper bag. Uh, like Caramel. We, had a, we had two bags. We carried our papers. And we fold our papers, uh, put them in these bags, go out these different neighborhoods. Uh, and I had to carry a tire tool, which usually it didn't do any good because I was just about always outnumbered, outgunned. And I never made a profit out of that, out of that paper route because the black guys would beat me up. I, I had to take it. Listen, get this. I don't know if I told you, Sam, but I had to take a different route to and from school every day. If, if, if a person, if you were white in this 95% black neighborhood, if you took the same route two days in a row, you would, you would be guaranteed to be jumped by a black gang. Uh, they would turn dogs loose on you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so that, that's the make. life Eddie came from. But, you know, I want to know, one, how his wife dealt with him not being a Christian and kind of full of this uh, kind of anger and hate and all that kind of stuff, how she patiently dealt with it. That's the power of a good Christian woman, I'll tell you that right now. Uh, we'll get the, that from Eddie. And then as he became a Christian, kind of what, what happened, what changed, and, hey, are Christmases the same? Let's talk about it. Eddie Miller in seconds. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married and have some kids. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past we win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. 
The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. The Strategy of Heaven Revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. All right, Eddie the Bombardier Miller, ladies and gentlemen, well-known talk show host, founder of Blood and River Radio, and uh, he lived a wild life, grew up poor as could be, Christmas didn't mean much, mom left, dad was an alcoholic, not a whole lot of fun, uh, Christmas was more like, hey, can you get a present, or, you know, uh, what, what, what can you do? He marries a good Christian woman. How did she put up with you for, what was it, 35 plus years, uh, when you're not even a Christian and you're kind of uh, full of this anger and this, you know, attitude? Uh, can't stand church, want to get out any second, but, but you go so you're not the low SOB in the, on the totem pole in her eyes, etc. How does she deal with all that? You know, Sam, I tell you what, uh, she's probably one of the strongest people. Here's how she did it. She did it through strength, kindness, wisdom, and, 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 and an indomitable will not to bend to me. Uh, she was one of the few people on earth that that I would, I guess you'd say, take orders from. I mean, I, I just loved her and respected her so much. Because, Sam, when I first met my wife, I, uh, I felt so inferior to her and her family. I, I just I felt almost like I needed to go take an autoclave bath before I went into their house. I just felt dirty. You know, they, had, they were from a, uh, to me, like they were just shined with cleanliness, kindliness, properness. You know, they... They went to church every week. They went, I mean, it was you, if you didn't go to church, you had to be sick in your bed with a fever. If you didn't go to church that day in their family, you did nothing that rest of that day, probably the rest of the week. They were strict, regimented. That's the way she was. And, I, I, you know, I hadn't told a lot of people this, Sam, but I did. I felt inferior. I felt weak in their eyes, you know, in, in, in their presence. I was in, her dad intimidated me. He was a big, strong guy. Uh, a strict guy, but kind. Uh, and her, the mother was her, the mother was the most disciplinarian person you've ever seen. But kind of, she later, uh, later on, believe it or not, I became her favorite son-in-law. She raised six kids. She lost about four or five, you know, uh, during the de- giving birth to children in the Depression era. That's, that's where the family my wife came from. So when I married her from the get-go, she was pretty much the uh, regimented drill sergeant. I mean, she had a certain place. Uh, everything belonged, like, the, even in the refrigerator, the milk had to be in a certain place. That drove me insane. I was used to coming in all hours of the night, going, if I wanted to go hunting, to stay gone 10 days and drink whiskey, I, I, I could not understand why in the world she would get mad about for, for that. But I loved her so much. <laughs> And she would absolutely take no crap. And the rest of us no can't understand whatsoever. how she wouldn't be mad, by the way. <laughs> I don't get it. I mean, I, I, that's the God's truth. I said, I'm just going to go. I, me and my buddies were going down to Holly Springs National Forest and deer hunt and drink some whiskey. What's, I, mean, I don't understand what's so wrong with that. Well, there was wrong, she said. And, but, but, man, we had fights like you would not believe. But I loved her so much. I, 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 I felt if I lost her, I would jump off the Mississippi River Bridge. So... I took unending amounts of crap 
to get along with her, what I thought was. But in the end, she is the one that held us together. And why God let her get hooked up with me, Lord knows. Her parents thought I probably looked at me like I was some kind of a bug crawling into the house. But they were kind to me, though. He's got an eternal uh, plan, my friend. Yes, I, I would come in and eat up. Her mother was the best cook on the face of the earth. When I would come in, once if, if no one was in sight, if they couldn't see me, I'd make a beeline of the kitchen. I knew where she kept the biscuits that were left over after each meal. She made biscuits every meal, and I would eat those biscuits. Well, come to find out, she was making extra biscuits all along. I, I didn't know that. But, boy, I tell you what, her I, I felt like I, had, I, I was so intimidated by their house because they were so good and so kind and I didn't realize at the time that it was coming from Christ, the reason their family was so kind. But I felt like I had to crawl to get in there. I felt so inferior and so undeserving. And and how she we wind up married is a miracle in itself. And, and it took me years and years and years, Sam, uh, to come around. And Lord, I'm not I'm by, and Sam can tell you, I'm not really the prototype Christian. You should probably should model yourself after. But I tell you, look, to quote Wayne Will. Uh, the minister that baptized me, he said, he told the people, get this. I'll tell you this quick story. The day he was baptizing me, he had to stop. And he got on the loudspeaker and told the audience of the church, he said, I cannot believe I'm baptizing this man. He said, in all my years of being in the church, he actually said this, Sam. I thought that this man was beyond redemption. I thought, I've all my life I've heard no one's beyond redemption. I thought, well, this man was. Because I used to go out of my way to insult the preacher for my grandson with the school. I'd hunt him down to insult him. I, I couldn't stand him. I hated him. But anyway, and this very guy I hated and would track down to insult was baptizing me. But he said that God God sure works in mysterious ways. He could not believe it. But uh, that's how bad I was. I mean, I was that bad off. And uh, But now, I tell you what, now, although I backslid, Sam, there's one thing I've never doubted. I've never doubted my salvation. I do come, you know, and, and I do have periods of time where I want to get, uh, well, I guess I'm better, you know. I, I guess we all backslide at, at times, Sam, because we're, you know, and you said earlier on in your first hour of your show, you said you can't, uh, you, well, you said you can't have faith, you can't be kind, you cannot be kind all, as, as, as you should be without the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's it, folks. Uh, that's it in a nutshell. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and the Holy Spirit comes into your body, this is the gospel according to me, and I think it's pretty sound on the King James Bible. Once you get that Holy Spirit, you can all things are possible. I think, in fact, uh, uh, Sam, I think Timothy said that uh, all things are possible through Jesus Christ. I can do all things, something like that. I believe that. Uh, you know, uh, and I know I'm rambling terribly right now. If you can cut me off anytime if I'm rambling too much, Sam. But, yes, uh, I, my grandson, he was – I used to embarrass – let me tell you how bad I was. I, this is one more bad story. My grandson went to Macon Road Baptist School, and I was giving the teacher such hell up there that my grandson came to, came to the truck one day. I was coming to pick him up. He said, Papa, you know I love you, don't you? This, this, keep in mind, this is coming from the mouth of a fourth grader. I said, yeah, sure, I love you. I love you, too. He said – you know I would do anything for you, don't you, Papa? I said, yeah, sure, I sure do. He said, well, Papa, can I ask you a favor? I said, fire away, son. He said, would you please stop harassing the teachers and the principal at my school? He said, I have to go to school here, Papa. And so that had a big effect on me. It was approximately, let's see, it still was some years later before I got 
became salvation. I've got my salvation. And Sam, I believe you can get saved anywhere in an oak tree and the Mississippi River bottoms, in the in, in the in the the in the St. Peter's Basilica, anywhere. It's just whatever God well, whatever God says. Like you named uh, uh, Sam. I think you talked about. I forget who it was, but one of my favorite Savior stories is the thieves. You mentioned the thieves on the cross when Jesus was crucified. That's right. One thief, the one thief, you know, one thief was giving, giving Christ hell, so to speak. He said, if you know, if you truly be the son of Christ, why don't you cry, climb down, save yourself, climb down off that cross, something like that. And the other thief said, you know, this, you need to shut your mouth. I'm paraphrasing this now. You need to shut your mouth. We are thieves. We deserve everything we're getting. This man here has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, would you remember me when you get to, get to your, where you're going? And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you that this day you shall be with me in paradise. And Sam, he didn't say, uh, once you got you to go say 10 Hail Marys. You got to repent for 15 days. You got to get baptized. You got to do this. You got to do that. No, that guy showed faith. And that's, just, that's the gospel according to Eddie. You have to have faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And that's how I try to operate on faith. And am I saying I'm, and I'm a long, 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 long ways from being perfect. Matter of fact, I would not hold myself up as a prototype Christian. But if I think about it, I think maybe God, with my little testimony, maybe he pointed me to testify to the heathen, to the dregs of society, because I was a heathen, I was a drug of society, I've done things that I would not like to admit to, I've done some things that uh, there's no statute of limitations on, uh, you know, but maybe I have uh, this this connection with other dregs of society. Matter of fact, one of my favorite people in the world is a guy named Ron. He's a wino homeless guy down on, I see him almost, uh, three days a week down on Main Street, and uh, he well, I sit there with him, I don't drink a beer with him none because he never quits drinking. But uh, he's homeless, and I just love Ron. But I have a connection with people like that, Sam. I, I have a, t- a connection with the dregs, uh, the people like the senators and and the, and the uh, you know the upper crust. I don't <laughs> I don't have such a good rapport with them. But but uh, yes, yeah, Sam, I could go on and on and on. But I don't you know I'm sure I'm probably boring the crap out of your audience. By the way, thank you so much for bringing me on your show, Sam. Uh, as I look at your Sam, it's your show and your life. Uh, it's inspired me because people, a lot of people may not know, but that Sam Bushman, his wife, hocked everything. They sold their house. They sold everything to get uh, Liberty News Radio, and they had faith. And Sam has caught more hell from the powers to be than I have, and, and uh, probably. Uh, but uh, anyway. yeah, ladies and gentlemen, here's the deal: you let Eddie go on and tell his stories. A, a good show, a talk show host <laughs> knows when to be quiet and kind of let it roll. You know what I mean? Anyway, I'm, I'm telling you, we're talking about Christmas. Uh, we're talking about Eddie's life and the change that he's made. And I believe the uh, uh, the good Christian wife that he's had for 53 years was on her knees many a day to get him to the point where he is now, ladies and gentlemen. There's hope for y'all. Pursuing liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. As a new strain of COVID-19 has been discovered in the United Kingdom, Assistant HHS Secretary Admiral Brett Giroir on Fox 
says the current vaccines will be effective and not to worry. We have every reason to believe, um, lots of scientific reasons to believe that it will work because the vaccine goes against many parts of that spike protein, not just the one, but it will be within a matter of days that the scientific experiments will definitively prove that. Probably not going to be within the next 24 hours, but w- within the next matter of days. But it, again, we absolutely expect there to be great vaccine coverage against this strain and the many of the, of, okay. of the other hundreds of mutations that are out there. President Trump on Wednesday said the rockets that hit the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad wounding Iraqi civilians this week came from Iran. A photo posted by the president showed three unexploded rockets with Iranian markings and warned the regime of further attacks. USA Radio News. Picture this. A shortage of fuel has closed your electric utility or any disaster devastated your town. Your power is out. No lights, no news. That's why federal and state agencies urge you to have an emergency radio. You can get a free Dynamo World Band emergency radio. This powerful radio keeps you informed during any emergency. It doesn't even need batteries and comes with a hand-crank generator and super bright LED flashlight. The emergency radio includes the NOAA weather band, a long-range AM receiver, a high-sensitivity FM band, and even a USB jack to charge cell phones. The Dynamo Emergency Weather Band Radio retails for almost $30, but Newsmax wants to make sure you get this radio. So check out the free offer for the emergency radio with Newsmax Magazine. Go to gettheradio.com. That's gettheradio.com. Or call toll-free 800-NEWSMAX. That's 800-NEWSMAX. This radio could save your life. This offer may end soon, so order today. President Trump, as promised, vetoed the NDAA. President Trump issued a veto Wednesday of the National Defense Authorization Act, following up on threats to reject the bill if it did not repeal legal protections for social media companies. The $740 billion defense spending bill now goes back to Congress, where an override is likely. But the president is getting some support for his action from across the aisle. Hawaii Democrat Representative Tulsi Gabbard tells Fox News that Congress has failed to hold big tech companies accountable for their actions. The reason why he's taken a stand on this, and I, I support his position on this is because Congress has failed to act in in making sure that the American people have uh, a fair and free opportunity to the public square and to make sure that these tech companies that are censoring people that are choosing whose voices are heard and whose aren't taking sides in political elections that they are not immune from lawsuits and so I think it's a critical thing to hold Congress's feet to the fire. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki. USA Radio News. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Merry Christmas to you from us. We are indeed live on your radio, folks. It is Christmas Eve day, December 24th. We're talking about stories of Christmas. Uh, And Eddie became a Christian. Uh, His wife, I'm sure, prayed hard on her knees to get him to this point. Uh, No doubt about it. But tell me uh, a comparison between uh, a Christmas as not a Christian and then a, a, a Christmas as a Christian. Is there a difference? Yes, I'll say there's a big time uh, difference, Sam, because I had many, many Christmases uh, as, as a, pretty much as a pagan. You know, I never was totally convinced that there was not a God. I just didn't think there was. You know, I wasn't sure. But uh, the, Chris, the difference I would say is uh, I go back to the old Christmases we had. Uh, the Christmases we have now, it seems like I'm in much more at 
peace, Sam. Uh, there's a peace that the, well, I guess the Bible even speaks about that. You have a peace that's uh, beyond all understanding. You don't know, even though you may be in debt, like it seems like we never get out of debt. I don't, most people I know are in debt. Uh, you know, people can be sick. Things can be going wrong. But it seems like there's a peace. And I noticed when I became a Christian, it happened in one microsecond, Sam, like I told you all. Uh, when I came home from church that day, uh, my wife went to a different church than where I went, uh, by the way. I went with my grandson and, uh, because he went to school there. But anyway, when I came home, she told her friends. I, and I don't want to sound like a hypocrite or like I'm bragging on myself. But and believe it or not, this relates to Christmas. Uh, she said she had never seen such a profound change in one person. He, she said especially in the time span of two hours. She said, one man left the house to go to church with my grandson and her grandson, and another man came home. My grand, my grandson had his buds, his, just his little uh, a peer group, you might say, so they went to this church. So I wanted to go with them, you know, even though I kind of stuck out. I was old. But when I came home, she said she was just floored. I was, you could see, almost see, the, you know, uh, I guess you'd say an aura about me. I came home and I started reading the Bible. And since it didn't take me, it took me, what, six weeks, I went all the way through the Bible. And I uh, found some of the things that my church was preaching weren't, weren't so. But I still went there. But uh, now to get back to the question, Sam, and, you know, I get fired up when I get excited. And it's hard for me to stay on, on track. Uh, got a little brain damage going on here, really, and uh, really and truly. But I uh, do. Uh, but it's the peace. It's just the profound peace and gratefulness and thankfulness to be alive another day to be with my my two my uh, we'll see my daughter tonight my oldest daughter my grandson my son my son-in-law the tomorrow the whole family will be together at my youngest daughter's house my youngest daughter and my granddaughter and all right do you have husband. a favorite christmas let me think let me think uh yeah it, it really i guess it was the one before i was a christian it was when we were flat broke and back in 1980. And, you know, Sam, I think God was working on me the whole time. I didn't know it. But uh, let me think. The other favorite Christmas I have, I've had, like 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 the Sheriff Max said, he's had so, he said he had so many uh, favorite Christmases. I've had a bunch of favorite Christmases. Uh, God, Sam, it's so hard. It's so – I tell you what. I think – hey, I'm going to put it this way. I don't want to sound too melodramatic. But I think this Christmas will be my favorite one because me, me my wife, uh, my two daughters are healthy now. My wife is cancer-free. Uh, I'm not having any supraventricular tachycardia like I had again last week. <laughs> uh, we're all going to have a great, wonderful meal. Uh, my daughters, uh, my youngest daughter has been scattered all over creation in her work with her, the guy she's with. And we're all together. I think this will probably be my favorite Christmas thus far, Sam. I really do. Uh, wait, hey, probably. Let me go back. Now, I almost forgot about this Christmas. You know, as I told people, I came up, you know, like raised like a dog <laughs> on, the on the street. I, I, I raised myself. I was in my grandparents' house. I forgot to mention them. They were just poor dirt farmers in the delta of Arkansas between the St. Francis River Bottoms and the Mississippi River Bottoms. And they were the most loving people. To this day, uh, Sam, I, 
idolized almost my grandparents on my mother's side. They, the hardcore, dirt poor farmers, hardcore Christians. Um, my grandfather didn't have a high school education, but he could read, man, uh, like F. Lee Bailey. But uh, I remember spending Christmas over there with them. Cold. It seemed like it got so much colder in those days that it does, uh, does nowadays. And around, they had an old wood stove. There was cracks in the old hardwood floor. The hardwood over there would be cypress and oak because they had, you know, cypress and oak t- river bottoms over there. And that old stove burning wood and grandma cooking all kinds of good stuff. Now, they were dirt poor. They always had just an abundance of all kinds of stuff to eat because they grew most everything they ate. And what they didn't, what they didn't grow, they had enough money from raising cotton and corn. They bought what, they, what else was left. They always had plenty of, of ham. my dad, my grandfather cured his own hams, uh, kill, usually killed a beef once every other year, plenty of chickens. And being, being with my grandparents and my other cousins, man, and a big Christmas for them was they get a tote sack full. A lot of people, a lot of people probably call them burlap bags. We call them tote sacks and uh, full of uh, Brazil nuts, pecans, almonds, oranges and apples we they didn't get any big fancy toys see my cousins over there in arkansas but my cousins love me i love them that's before i got married that's my my favorite christmas of all and believe i can't believe i almost forgot that one and since i've been married the favorite christmas would be the one in 1980 when me and brenda my wife brenda were flat broke but we made it through with god's help and this christmas uh tonight and tomorrow and you know, uh, Sam also pull throw a plug in for you. You know our friendship. Since I've met you, Sam, we've had some miraculous stuff uh, have happened, and uh, I think you and I kind of play off each other, kind of grow stronger with each other. But uh, you know, also we have uh, James Edwards, and we have uh, Pete Scoop, and we have Key. And uh, I guess I'm starting to ramble right now. But when I think of a Christmas, Sam, I always think of you, your family, Keith. Oh, and everybody probably, if anybody doesn't know by now, my favorite little person in your family, Sam, don't be hurt. And I, it ain't you. It's Miss Bethany, a.k.a. Papaw's Girl, a.k.a. Miss Teenage America. I would adopt that child in a heartbeat. I love her to death. And, uh, Sam, I love you. And I guess that's part of being a Christian, part of the, the Christian spirit. Uh, it's loving people. If you, Sam, if I, if I ramble too much, let me know. I'm, I'm going to say one more thing. As you know now, when the apostles asked, I think they asked Jesus, what was the greatest commandment? And this, if you live by this, I believe this is what it takes. Jesus said, if you love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy spirit, I'll say all, and all their being, I'll add that. And the second commandment is likened to the first. If you love your neighbor as you love yourself, then you have fulfilled the law. So if you do that, you're good to go. You know, and that's I, there's I, I hope for all of us, ladies and gentlemen, is the point. Now, I got an interesting story <clears throat> and an email from Dennis Prager. Prager U uh, is where it comes from. Dennis is a very Christian guy, has Prager University, and he sent me a video that fascinated me. And the headline says this I was a gang member, hear my story. Shootings, violence, revenge, ex gang member guy by the name of Jesse Holgan lived a life of bloody retaliations, run-ins with the cops, and violence on the streets 
of Los Angeles until one moment caused him to turn his life around. He now works to lead Latinos away from the left and the lives of crime towards their faith. Hear Jesse's incredible personal story of, and I'm going to use this word, redemption. And it's very interesting uh, what he talks about, Jesse. Um, it's really interesting, the story Jesse tells. Let me see if I can even play a little bit of this here. So I'm like, man, just hang off for the chopper, hang off for the chopper. So finally the chopper comes in and uh, they put me in and we're airlifting and we're flying. And it was a trip because I was all scared, dying and all like that. And once I started calling out to Jesus, it's like hard to describe. I felt a wonderful peace came over me. And I was just so at peace, so comforted. It was like if you shot me up with morphine. And then ever since that day, the, the Lord just been using me in my life for so many things. Even in the hospital, they were amazed when they see me. The doctors were like, man, we never seen a, a, usually a guy like you before. Usually when we tell them they're never going to walk again, usually we have to give them antidepressant medicines. But the Lord gave me peace for my situation. And the doctors were like, can you go around the hospital and try to cheer up all the other patients? So I was all shot up and all that myself, but I was going around the hospital trying to cheer up all the other patients. So even imagine this guy cheering up other patients. Bottom line is, I'll tell you his story a little more. You can check it out at PragerU.com. Merry Christmas. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. Hi, I'm Patty, wife of former Congressman Steve Stockman. In Congress, Steve sought impeachment of Eric Holder for his corruption of the Justice Department and his fast and furious gun running that caused border agent Brian Talley's death. Steve called for arrest of Lois Lerner for her contempt of Congress as it investigated her targeting of conservative nonprofit groups. After four years, four grand juries, and millions of tax dollars, Steve Stockman is in prison. His case involved four checks to nonprofits. DOJ has one standard for Hillary Clinton, but another for folks like President Trump and my husband. We've spent all our savings, all Steve's retirement, and much of mine. Steve Stockman has fought for you and America. Won't you join me now to fight for Steve? To help, text FIGHT to 444-999. Text F-I-G-H-T to 444-999 or go to defendapatriot.com. DefendAPatriot.com. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ, no doubt, has the power of love. I'll tell you that right now. 
night wind to the little lamb. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? A star, a star, dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite. With a tail as big as a kite. Sam Bushman and Eddie Miller breaking it down for you, wishing you a very Merry Christmas. We are live on Christmas Eve day, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you about this story. About this Latino man, Dennis Prager brings it to my attention. Prager U is where you got to go to learn about it. I'm telling you right now, the whole video's there. I can't play it all. I played a little piece of it to give you kind of an idea of his story. But he basically says, I was a gang member. Hear my story. Uh, shootings, violence, revenge. He lived a life of bloody retaliations, ladies and gentlemen. But anyway, the bottom line is he became a Christian. And here's what's fascinating. He tells about going to prison. He tells about the shootings that he went and did. He tells you about all this, and then he basically talks about how he changed and how he got shot and almost died, and Christ saved him and preserved his life so he could minister to Latinos and others. And now he's testifying about Christ on PragerU for Christmas. And I look at this story, and he tells about how he came out of the prison and uh, his family and all of his gang members, he was a leader of a gang, threw him a party. And they're like, hey, we're so glad you're out, man. We want you to lead the gang again. And he's like, no, man, it ain't me. I'm not doing it. And they're like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm not, I'm not leading the gang anymore, man. I'm just, it isn't me. And his mother literally said she would disown him if he became a Christian. They hated the Christians. And uh, so she, the mother, would rather have him be a gang leader and live a life of crime and, and, and retribution and, and anger and vitriol and hatred. And, and she would rather have that than have him become a Christian. Well, anyway, the Lord continued to work with Jesse and he persevered and now tells this incredible story of change. And I bring this up, ladies and gentlemen, because if, if, if the Savior Jesus Christ can save folks like me and like Eddie Miller and like Jesse, you know what? He can work magic and miracles in your life as well. But as Eddie brought up wisely, it takes faith. Faith, my fellow Americans, precede the miracle. All right? That's something you got to understand. Faith precedes the miracle. And you know what? Jesse did want to believe. He, he got on his knees and, and he just said, you know what? I, I don't want to live a life of murder and crime and, and dysfunction anymore. But he tells about how when he was young and he was growing up, all he wanted to do is be a gang leader. All he wanted to do was be the kind of the top mafioso kind of a guy. Uh, but he realized and found something far greater that he tells the story of. And Anyway, it's a riveting story that I want you to kind of think about and, and keep in mind. Now, here's what's interesting also. The mainstream press has an article that says this. Stressed out? Here's 10 ways you can help your mental well-being. All right, And I'm going to read you the 10 things they propose, and then I'm going to <clears throat> propose a few of my own. We'll get Eddie Miller's take on this as well. They say take deep breaths. Okay, it's good advice. They say go for a walk. It's good advice. They say call a friend. It's good advice. They say practice yoga. It's good advice. They say eat healthy foods. It's good advice. They say put the phone down and don't focus so much on the internet and social media and comparing yourself to others. Good idea. 
Spend time with animals if you're stressed out. Get a massage. Reach out to a counselor. Try, and then they have this Kinnaman therapy is what they call it or whatever. I don't know much about that. But ladies and gentlemen, I look at that and I go, not once of the 10 things. Here's 10 ways you can help your mental well-being. And then they give all these 10 ways. Not once did they mention prayer. Not once did they mention turn to Christ. Not once did they directly refer to, uh, in my opinion, one of the greatest opportunities for peace, for forgiveness, for hope, for strength, for comfort, for I could go on and on. Not once did they refer to any source of power higher than oneself or one's government. And I look at that and I go, what a missed opportunity, Eddie. Absolutely, Sam. Sam, you're, you're, we're joining the brain on that. I was, that was just the whole thing I was thinking. Uh, I just told people the background I came from. Sam, what helps me get peace more than anything else is getting by myself. My favorite time is very early in the morning. I get up between 3.30, 4.30. Now, maybe maybe you're not a morning person. Maybe people you like to do it at midnight. But if I like to get up early in the morning when no one else is out around, but there's no noise, and I like to pray. And prayer, it works It works wonders for me. It works miracles for me. You, Sam, you can. I can literally feel the muscles in my shoulders relax. A peace, people, I promise you, I'm not lying to you. We're not trying to sell you anything, any products. But saying prayer, even if you don't have faith, pray for faith. Ask God to come to you. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. It, 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 it does something. It relaxes me. Even and, and I do stray. I don't pray as much as I should. All right, I got to go really uh, fast to this, Eddie. I want to play something before the end of the hour. Oh, sure. I almost forgot. I got to do this. It is a Glenn Rosson story. Listen up, folks. Thank you for joining us. This is Glenn Rosson. It's Christmas time. I want to begin with a question, if you don't mind. Does God care about human freedom? Can a man be saved in bondage? Now, these are important questions. By way of an answer, I have an unusual Christmas story I would like to share with you. It's December 1776. The tattered remnants of George Washington's Continental Army are camped in the open on the banks of the Delaware River, where once they had been some 20,000 in number, bold and strong. Now, they are less than 6,000. Where once they had soundly defeated the British at Lexington and Concord. Now, they are a decimated band running for their lives across the frozen New Jersey landscape with the British in hot, humiliating pursuit. And now here they are, huddled around fires to keep from freezing. Their rations are reduced to starvation subsistence, even living on tree bark. Their inadequate clothing is nothing more than filthy rags hanging on emaciated bodies. They are dejected and defeated as beaten psychologically as they are physically. And yet, for all of us, 
On this ragtag group of men hangs all the hopes of the American Revolution. This is the army. They are all that stand between America and avowed British tyranny. Consider, if you will, General Washington. At this time, he is about as burdened a man as ever lived. Many are calling for his resignation, even within the Continental Congress. Officers within his own command are openly murmuring against him and positioning to replace him. Desertion within the ranks of his army are rampant and daily. And here he stands on the banks of the Delaware with an army seemingly too weak to fight, feeling the weight and carrying the blame of the American plight. Meanwhile, across the river in Trenton, safe and warm are the Hessian mercenaries left by General Howe to hold Washington's pitiful army at bay. He could have finished them at any time, but it is widely known that on December 31st, the enlistments of Washington's army will expire. The men will go home. The British see no need to attack and finish him off. Cold, starvation, desertion, it will finish the fight for them. All the British and the Germans need do is sit and watch while the American Revolution collapses upon itself. And the dream, that arrogant dream of American freedom dies with it. I don't need to tell you, this is a monumental historical moment. At one of the lowest points, Thomas Paine comes into camp talking and mingling with the soldiers. He is deeply moved by their plight and sits down and according to some, pens a pamphlet called The American Crisis on the Head of a Drum. These are some of those words he wrote at that critical time. These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of his country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. Tis dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated." End of quote. These words cause a storm through America. To the credit of the man and the power of heaven that moved him, Washington was inspired by these words and by the powers of heaven. He did not lie down in defeat. He rose from his knees, gathered his ragged and beaten army, and in the face of a terrible howling blizzard, crossed the Delaware on Christmas night, 1776. Several thousand men, cannon, and horses were ferried across the ice-choked black waters of the Delaware. From there, Washington marched his men nine miles to Trenton, leaving bloody footprints in the snow as he went, in weather literally. And many of you know the rest of the story. We have America now. And Chuck Baldwin just wrote an incredible column to wrap up this live 
presentation. Chuck Baldwin just wrote a syndicated column. The birth of Christ and the birth of America are linked. I believe that with all of my heart, ladies and gentlemen. Never give up on the hope that America brings. Never give up on the hope that Christ brings. Never give up on the hard work that we can do as a people. Never give up on being a good neighbor. Never give up on receiving the love of Christ and sharing it with those around you. Eddie, you got 10 seconds. Give me a final word. Sam, I'll tell you what. uh, Thank you so much for having me on your show. Your show, being on with you, has helped inspire me to be a better man, a better Christian, Sam. That's God's truth. It it certainly is. I'd like to wish everybody out there a very Merry Christmas. Uh, Tune in to Liberty News Radio if you can. Saturday, tune in to Blood River Radio. Thank you so much again, Sam, for having me on your show, my brother. Ladies and gentlemen, good people are doing good things everywhere. There is hope for the least among us. That's who I represent, the least among us, ladies and gentlemen. You know what? We all need the Savior, Jesus Christ. Celebrate this Christmas season. Receive and give love, would you please? For Sam, Eddie, Richard Mack, and all the Liberty Roundtable team, God bless the greatest country on the face of the earth.